Hey everyone, I'm Lauren Hassan and this is The Developer Show. It's a career development podcast for tech women by an actual tech woman. My guest today is Dr. Karen Panetta, who is an award-winning technologist and educator and the Dean of Graduate Education at Tufts University. In this episode, Karen and I are going to talk about her own career journey and how she learned the hard way that if you want to be recognized, you have to promote your own accomplishments and achievements. And you also have to pay it forward by propping up other women too. We'll also get into how she turned major, major career disappointment into an experience that ultimately propelled her career to new levels by identifying an outside organization that really valued what she brought to the table. And we'll also discuss the importance of surrounding yourself with allies. Welcome to The Developer Show. We have Dr. Karen Panetta here with us today. Karen is a highly, highly decorated technologist who is currently the Dean for Graduate Education, Professor of Electrical and Computer Engineering, and Adjunct Professor of Computer Science at Tufts University. Before transitioning into education, she was a computer architect at DEC, and then joined the faculty at Tufts where she was the first engineer tenured in their electrical and computer engineering department. She was recently elected by her peers, that's right, by her peers as the president-elect of the Engineering Honor Society, IEEE Eta Kappa Nu. In addition to her role at Tufts, she's also the editor-in-chief of the prestigious IEEE Women in Engineering magazine, and previously served as the chair of IEEE Women in Engineering, where she oversaw the largest worldwide professional organization supporting women in technology. Karen, needless to say, has also traveled the world inspiring young women to pursue engineering through her internationally acclaimed Nerd Girls program. And let me tell you, she has dedicated her career to showing women how engineers and scientists are creating innovations for the benefit of humanity. Karen has received so many awards, I could easily spend the entire episode listing them out. Uh, But these include the Anita Borgs uh, Institute's prestigious Women of Vision Award, and even President Obama himself awarded her the nation's highest award for engineering education and mentoring. She holds a PhD and master's in electrical engineering and a bachelor's in computer engineering. And today, I am absolutely honored to have Karen as our guest on The Developer Show. Karen, welcome. Thank you, Lauren. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, I'm just I'm just awed at all your accomplishments and so humbled to be on the phone with you. It's fantastic to have you here. And congratulations on being elected by your peers as the next president of IEEE Ada Kappa Nu. That is a huge honor to be. It is. It yes. is. Yes, it's a, it was a surprise, I guess, for me as well, because I never expected the nomination, number one, never. So I was honored just to run and then to run against such prestigious, well-established um, peers and to win was absolutely amazing experience and, and you know, unbelievable, very cordial, wonderful working relationship with with everybody. So I think it's going to be very exciting. And I'm looking forward to meeting all the members and spreading the great news about what we do to not just through our IEEE, but uh, to the world. And you you were surprised by this, but 
when I look at all of your accomplishments and everything that you have done, this is of no surprise to me. And I know when you and I were talking offline that part of this was, okay, I'm surprised, but also how do I, how do I let people know that I've done this? And there's this balance of surprise and humble. And also, you know what, I'm a, I'm a kick, kick ass woman in tech. And I, I deserve this and I'm going to do a great job and hit it out of the park. How did you handle that? So, so you're absolutely right when you talk about you, you're so proud of yourself, but at the same time, if you go, Hey, I'm the president, you, you go around gloating people are like, Oh, the eyes roll. But I think in this case, when, when women get prestigious awards, we expect other people to recognize us and say, oh, wow, you won this award. But uh, I was surprised at the silence for like the Obama award, for example, you mentioned. I I was surprised. I thought, you know, oh, wow, everybody's going to know about this, especially at my institution. And I was (laughs) I was more surprised by the silence of, you know, people knew, but I was surprised that there wasn't a lot of acknowledgement. So I think that that was important for me to say, well, you know what, I got this huge accomplishment. And and I'm proud of it. And if they're not going to recognize it or acknowledge it, well, then, you know, I, I'm not certainly going to downplay it. I'm going to let them know how important it is because you get to hear about everything else everybody else does. Everybody else promotes themselves. Why are women different? Why shouldn't we promote ourselves? And I think that's key to sharing our success with one another and promoting our sisters, I'll say, because if we don't do it, who will? Exactly. And and to me, it's so amazing. You got the nation's highest honor, the highest award from the president himself. And yet there was silence. And if if there's any time that someone you would think this was newsworthy, you would think this is something that people would share out and praise you for, I would think that would be it. And yeah, and I think for so many times, we, we as women expect others to take notice and do the promotion ourselves. And we we don't take an active role in that. And I know for me in my career, I saw transformation come when I would just start stating facts, honored to have been selected or honored to have been nominated by my peers. And so there's a little bit of humbleness to that, um, but it's also stating the fact of what you did and sharing it out to the world. And I know you've done a really great job of balancing that. And can you talk about how you went about um, sharing that out for that award and for this new nomination? Sure. So there's a couple of things, you know, I think I've learned the hard way that if you expect other people to recognize you, you can work like a dog and kill yourself and people pat you on the back for that moment. But if you expect them to go above and beyond and nominate you for something, that usually doesn't happen. So one of the things that I've been doing and I started doing long before I was nominated for anything is I would see all these awards coming out. And I'll give you an example. One of them was the IEEE Medal of Honor. There was never a woman winner. So I approached Millie Dresselhaus. You know, she's now deceased. But I approached her and I was like, this this woman should receive this IEEE Medal of Honor. We never had a woman winner. And and she, you know, she had already won millions of awards. But I think having another person come in and say, you would be a great candidate for this award really helps us to help ourselves. So whenever I can see someone, I'll say, hey, this looks like a great opportunity. I think you'd be a great candidate. Then the, that that gives opens the door for somebody to say, well, oh, that you know, that's an honor. Here's my CV. And, you know, here's some people that might write letters for me. So you're not writing your own nomination, but 
at least you, somebody's already giving you a nod that, hey, you know, maybe you should go for this and, and help yourself by helping us with some information. And that's really what I've been doing for everything. So the the IEEE election for me was important because I had been dedicating my life to doing outreach and lots of committee service to IEEE. And I think that people recognized everything I touched turned to success. You know, IEEE Women in Engineering Magazine, all the awards, and that I share and that I really truly do promote individual women to aspire to greatness and to do the best they can, which surprises a lot of people because most women are, you know, would say, oh, you're, you know, women are up for themselves. We're not. There's, we, we have to support each other. And I think that when you show that support, other people in turn say, look what she's done with next to nothing. And, and that's how I think the nomination came about. And the fact that the way I handle things, because you get very, very uh, strong opinions and strong personalities on any committee you work with. And I think it's really important to understand that when you walk out of that room, you can tear each other apart technically or, or in beliefs or whatever. But when you walk out of that room, you should you know, be able to put your arms around one another and go to lunch as buddies. And, and if you can do that, then that's a great sign that you know that you're going to be a good leader. And that's really what I've aspired to. Is And, and sometimes my husband calls it go to or my friends call it go into presidential mode which means you know <laughs> smile and 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 try to listen listen and listen and then you know before you open your mouth and and, and um, say something that you might be sorry for or, or, or hurt a person that later on might end up being one of your greatest allies you there are so many great little nuggets in there and i, I want to unpack a couple things that you said uh, the first is you surrounded yourself with advocates for yourself, people who are, you know, advocates or allies, as I like to call them. And so it's not just you promoting yourself, but it's someone else who's standing alongside you, who's amplifying your voice. And I know you've done that multiple times throughout your career. And it's so important as women that that we not only find allies for ourselves, but something else you mentioned there is that we're allies for other women. And that we're not tearing each other down, but going, look, if I want someone to build me up, I need to be part of solving the problem and I need to build other women up. And I'll give a perfect example. Uh, you're the founder of Nerd Girls, I Run Developer. And instead of tearing each other down and competing, it's how can we support each other? I'm an ally for you. I want the world to know about the great work you're doing with IEEE, with Nerd Girls. And at the same time, you're willing to come on the show and take your valuable time and share your personal stories. And this is a perfect example of the world, the pie in the world is growing and we need to, to build each other up and help each other grow instead of fight over uh, competing resources. Right, right. And, and that's something I think I learned the hard way because there's so many organizations out there that say they're promoting women. And I sometimes make the joke, and it's not really funny, is that, well, they're, 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 it's okay to promote women as long as it's them promoting the women and getting the money to do it. And I think that that's part of the problem is, is you know, if I collaborate with you, oh, you're going to be taking away my potential donors or my sponsors. And and if, if your heart is truly in the mission, you know, you, you want to see the mission accomplished because I, as for one, I can tell you how many people have tried to rip off nerd girls or, um, you know, tell me that they came up with it or something like that. 
And and I laugh because, well, first of all, I'm older than most of them. And second of all, I have an, an award from the president that, that vindicates that I that I truly did come up with it. But I think that and I, and I was the one who took the lumps you know, over 20 years ago when I had the audacity to call my organization nerd girls, when people were saying that was a derogatory term, how dare you, it's demeaning, you're setting women back. So I, I took the lumps and yet, you know, now that we're successful and, and growing, I want other groups to be successful. And when you ask people for things, you know, it's not about me taking away from you. It's, it's are we really going to change the world? Because if we are, you're not going to do it with one organization. Just like we're not going to change the way an entire world and, and different nations think about women in technology if we just have women doing it. We have to engage everyone. Exactly. And I, I use the analogy, the tent's really big, let's fill it. And this dials back into corporate or corporate culture and how do you grow as an employee um, and a leader. And also, you're, you know, you and I are seeing it with nerd girls and developer, and then also in education. And it comes to what, what the popular term is growth mindset. And knowing that the, the opportunities are growing, and that we're not fighting over competitive resources or scarce resources. And so that's really what will take you to the next level is when you start seeing that you can create opportunity out of nothing. And that's what it truly means to be a leader is be aligned with your mission, whether that's nerd girls or developer or your corporate, uh, corporate mission, or your personal mission, and then finding people who are going to support that and build that up. And then also building that what's important to others up with them as well. Right. And I also think that another thing that's really important is we always try in education, we're now trying to get the message out there to youth that engineering is all about making mistakes and learning from failure. And I think it's funny that, you know, we as women, sometimes in our own careers, when something doesn't go our, you know, as planned, or we, we, we have a setback or a failure, women tend to want to give up. And I think that that's not what engineers do. So, you know, even in my own career, I've, I've tried to take every negative thing that's ever happened and say, how is this going to make me stronger? And, you know, where can I better spend my energy to make my make things improve, even if other people are going to try to set you back? And you, that is a perfect segue. You have a really inspiring story about how you, you were passed over for an associate dean role. And that was really, if I understand it correctly, it was really disappointing and difficult for you. But you, you, you were, you were true to what you just said. You turned it around into a transformative moment in your life. And Tell us a little bit more about what happened and then how you turned it into a success and what, what ended up happening in the end. Sure. So, you know, I, I had learned so much from IEEE, learning how to do budgets and, 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 and meetings and, and planning, strategic planning. I had all these wonderful business development and project management development skills that I had acquired and experienced throughout IEEE years that now I saw that the associate dean's position was opening. This was probably oh, maybe um, over, over, probably over 10 years ago that this happened. And at the time, you know, we had a female dean and, and again, you know, I, I approached her about taking on this role and she was like, oh, I want you to be a full professor. And yet the person that she took wasn't. 
And at the same time, I was like, you know, well, I would have rather you just said, I don't like your face or, or, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't want you in this role. I, I, I know you, you probably legally can't do that, but I would have rather have heard a legitimate, what's wrong with me, that type of thing, or what kind of deficiencies do you see that I need to work on it, that I wouldn't have this role? And I, and I honestly know at the time I was more than qualified and more than prepared for that position. And the other piece of it was, you know, even when I interviewed for my faculty position, I remember asking a faculty member, you know, they, I know they wanted somebody from, you know, an Ivy League institution and brand name PhD type of program. And I had come from Boston University and Northeastern University, which are great institutions. And yet at the same time, you know, um, I just, I didn't, I didn't come from, I did everything part time. I wasn't the the regular path that everybody else took. So I was this anomaly from the beginning. And I remember interviewing with a faculty member and I came right out and I said, what is it you find efficient about my record that you don't think I'd be successful in this role? And he just sat back in his chair and said, wow, that was a direct question. And I said, well, I'd like a direct answer, especially if they're not going to hire you, right? Because how are you supposed to improve yourself? And I, I think in this associate dean's position, I didn't get that kind of feedback. I just got, you know, a, a one-liner type of thing. And, and usually that means, okay, we, we really not don't want you. Really, we haven't really thought about you as a candidate. So one-line answers about, well, we feel like you need to be full professor. So I was like, okay, I need to be full professor. I'll work on that. And then at the same time, I was like, well, you know what? I, I, I far exceeded the knowledge of a department chair because the, the task that they were doing to me, I, I was thinking much more grand scale and much more strategic. I was thinking more of a university, much, much higher level. I was working with industry and building businesses uh, and startup companies. So at that point I was like, well, if, you know, if they don't want my energy, I can still be an awesome teacher and awesome researcher with my students, but I'm going to go outside and, and, and utilize my talents for someone who appreciates it. And at that time, it was already IEEE. So that's when I became the worldwide director for women, IEEE Women in Engineering, which at the time, you know, um, w w was large, but it, it was it was suffering from, um, you know, it was, it was it, my predecessor was great, but we were suffering from really constrained budgets. Nothing's ever changes with budgets. But I looked around at what I could do with no cost, low cost types of techniques. I looked at how to better serve our members. And, you know, I came up with some great models. And within a year, we came up with the magazine and launched it in a year, which, you know, I learned all the ins and outs of, of how to navigate and get through budgeting and finance committees and, um, and how to make that pitch, how to do that elevator pitch. So that gave me great experience. And that's honestly what helped propel my entire career was the fact that I, I didn't want to, I, I, I would have settled to be the big fish in a little sea, but when they didn't want to go fishing, I decided to become the uh, blue shark out in the world, which is, if you don't know, it was the world's largest fish. <laughs> <laughs> but, so I, I did that. And I love how you took disappointment you, in something that seemed to be inexplainable. You didn't get a straight answer. It was not satisfying to hear. And you turned it and said, you know what, you may not give me the opportunity, but I know my worth. And someone else is going to value that. So I'm going to look outside. And that going to IEEE, working with women in engineering worldwide, that was a pivotal time in your career and led to all of the accomplishments that you have done. And if it hadn't been for that disappointment, you may not have gone on to achieve. I think you would have. You would have found a way. But 
but you turn disappointment into success. And the icing on the cake was, you know, years later when things were a disaster, she came back to me and gave me the job. And and I and I think that it was it was absolute awe inspiring because I was like, wow, look what she did. And I hope that in the in the back of some of these administrators' minds that make these decisions, they look back and say, oh my gosh, what you know, I should have made that decision years ago because I make everybody I work for very successful. I know what a boss is, and I think that um, that's part of of being is as as you move up. You know, I respect the people I work for and I always make them look good. So I, it's not. And I think that was another aspect is some people would always say to me, wow, you know, you, you went back and you made somebody look good who originally, you know, didn't even want you. And and I think that that's part of the game. Right. It's it's, it's all about, well, I do my job well and and I'm only going to cut off my nose to spite my face if I'm out to make somebody else look bad. Plus, that's a terrible waste of energy. Absolutely. I, and, you know, I've had a number of really unfortunate situations in my career. And one of them was finding out that I was paid 50%. That's five zero, fifty percent 50% less than a male peer. And, you know, I, I could have, I had, I, the way I saw it, I had several options. You know, one is I could just blame myself or I could blame my employer. But I, I said, you know what, I'm going to, I did something similar to you. I said, I'm going to take what, what is a bad situation and I'm going to turn this into good. I'm going to take the high road. I'm going to take responsibility to learn how to negotiate, to turn my situation around. Not only did I turn my situation around, but I said, you know, I'm not going to stop there. I'm going to pull other women up with me as well. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly what you did with, with disappointment in your career with I, and then turned it around. And you not only got success for yourself professionally with IEEE and everything else that you've done, but you also have helped other women realize their potential. And I think that's something that, that leaders tech women leaders have in common is that they're not just out for themselves. They're out for how can I translate this into empowerment for all women. And on and on that note, you are up to something really neat. Um, Nerd Girl Nation is coming out. And I would love for you to share with everyone because I can't do it justice. Uh, <laughs> what you what you're doing and how everyone can tune in. Sure. So Nerd Girl Nation was sponsored uh, by season one was sponsored by the IEEE New Initiatives Committee under disruptive innovations. So that's that means let's do something out thinking out of the box that no one's ever done before. And Nerd Girl Nation is a tech show about women doing all sorts of technology, forensic science, uh, sports engineering, music, you name it, and showing how, and, and they're very young, they're millennials and younger, even we've even had high school students on season one, showing all the diverse talents and how those talents make them great innovators and talking about some of the challenges or their, their dreams and aspirations and how they're making those come true. And just how, how maybe even how they think like a normal teenager today might say, oh, I'm not cut out for engineering. I don't, I don't know a lot. A teacher says, I don't know anything about math or I'm not good enough in math. And, or even some would say, my parents wanted me to be an engineer. So it was like, no way I'm going to do this. So they talk about all about the things that, um, that they thought they weren't ready for engineering and that what changed a life, what kind of life altering um, thing changed a life. And, and they're making it happen themselves. And we want to promote them 
to do that. And we want the world to see what engineering is because we're not just building bridges. We're, we're not pizza eating nerds in the, in, in the basement playing video games all the time. We want them to understand that we are very diverse and the perspective that women bring to the table and design you know, women are more consumers of, of minivans, for example, and, and things like that. And they have such great purchasing power. Why are we not including women's perspective on those products? We really need more women in every aspect of design and everything, uh, everything you can think of, including education and, and higher education. So Nerd Girl Nation is really about promoting women, up and coming women and women who have made it. And sharing that success with other people, not just to help other young girls aspire to be engineers, but to bring public awareness to what engineering is and what we do. And to finally break that stigma and stereotype of what a woman in engineering should or you know look like or what she should think like. And I think what you'll find is there, there, there's no one box or there is no one algorithm for us where we're, uh, you know, with no machine learning can figure us out. We're, we're just very creative, innovative people who use every aspects of all our talents and passions to change the world and benefit humanity. And tell everyone how they can watch in, watch in for Nerd Girl Nation. So we have a great website. It's women, it's www.nerdgirls.com. And if you visit there, you can see our episodes and you can actually see profiles of all the women that were uh, on season one. And if you're interested in participating in season two, we'll be casting for season two participants. And when I say casting, I don't mean you got to be skinny and beautiful. I mean, you have to have a passion for technology engineering. You have to love what you do and, and want to be able to share that with the world. That's what we're looking for. And it doesn't matter where you come from, what background you're from. We, we want full participation. Karen, thank you so much. Congratulations on your nomination and president-elect and congratulations on launching Nerd Girl Nation. Thank you, Lauren. Thank you everyone for joining us today. Make sure to subscribe to our mailing list to receive updates on new episodes and other fun goodies. And until the next episode, make today better than good.